Welcome back to Radio Entrepreneurs. I'm Jonathan Friedman, alongside my co-host today, Evan Macedo, Sapers and Wallach. Always a pleasure to be on with you, Evan. Always a pleasure to be here. It's always a gift to be on the show, so thank you. Excellent. Evan, I know in your role as Vice President of Finance and Operations, you touch a lot of pieces within Sapers and Wallach, and uh, today you've brought along a one of your wonderful colleagues to uh, impart some, some of the great wisdom that the folks at Sapers and Wallach provide. And uh, love to uh, love to hear from uh, Jordan, uh, our guest today, Jordan Smith, Retirement Outcomes Consultant. So, uh, Jordan, if you will, you want to tell us a little bit about what it is that you do uh, at Sapers? Yeah. Well, hey, nice to meet you all. Thank you for having me on the show. Um, yeah. So, I mean, uh, I'll try and avoid the things that Evan has mentioned perhaps in the past, and I'll keep it more so to you know, myself, my role in uh, what we do for both retirement and for financial wellness. And so uh, I'm part of the retirement team for Sapers and Wallach. So on a day-to-day basis, we're helping plan sponsors uh, in a fiduciary capacity to make their plan really as as favorable as possible. And so that might include making sure that the funds that are within the 401k plan uh, are you know top-notch, they're the highest performing group, or perhaps even the lowest fee. And then across the board, you know, uh, holding ourselves in the capacity to to really beat up the carriers to make sure that the fees across the board for the plans are a- as you know a- as low as they possibly can be, because at the end of the day, that's just you know friction on the growth for your employees. And uh, you know, I-, I think every employer would would smile when they say uh, uh, they they've helped you know X amount of employees reach retirement. Uh, and and well before you know seventy, which might be the average nowadays. So you know that's what we do on the retirement side. But my focus, uh, uh, you know, in addition to that, is really on the financial wellness side. Um, and I'm happy to you know, uh, or rather excited to talk about that today. Absolutely, so- Jordan. Sorry, uh, you go ahead, Jonathan. No, go right, go right ahead, Evan. I, I, I was going to jump right into the financial wellness, but I'll allow you to do that, Evan. Go ahead. Yeah, so you just mentioned financial wellness, and I know that's going to be a big part of uh, today's show. Uh, you know, we've been doing this for years. I know some other companies are just starting to do it. But uh, for people who are not familiar with the wellness program, can you talk about what a wellness program is and uh, what we're doing here at Sapers and Wallach? Yeah, absolutely. Well. So let's let's st- set the stage a little bit here. So, um, well, let me ask you ask you guys this: Have you guys seen you know any th- headlines in the news regarding credit card debt in America? Just, just a little bit, yeah. So, just a little <laughs> bit, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you look at a graph of it, it's it's quite literally like a you, you'd think it's SpaceX with how how quickly it's taking off. Um, so we're currently at one trillion dollars of credit card debt. Uh, and that's just in America. That's just credit card debt. We're not talking mortgages. We're not talking, uh, uh, you know, a- any other type of debt. Uh, and but I'm sure if you want to toss in mortgages and student loans, the picture would look even even more bleak for the American consumer. Um, but really, what that is an indicator of is the overall financial health of American citizens. Um, and so what. You know, some statistics that stand out to us is that, and these are all 2017 numbers, by the way. So, so 2020, you know, post pandemic, these numbers 
could not possibly look any any nicer. Um, but the statistics from 2017 is that 70 percent, seven zero percent of Americans live paycheck to paycheck, which is which is just wild because you, you know that's mm-hmm. you know that's almost one in every four individuals and you know i'm i'm sure you know us from from working professionals we might not be seeing that uh uh, nearly as much as our as in our industries but you know if you're walking down downtown boston wherever city you're you're you live in um you know there's a good chance that three out of every four people uh is actually living paycheck to paycheck isn't that crazy well, what's not surprising and what's even more uh, uh, telling of late is with uh, inflation, it's probably greater than that number. Um, and and one of the statistics, not to, not to jump ahead, I hope I don't steal any thunder, but no, I've heard it. mention okay. of um, a high income. And, and I know if we talk about national averages or medians, et cetera, um, it doesn't, it, 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 you know, gets us to the point where six figure earners um, I think the numbers were were staggering, like 40, 50, 60 percent of six figure earners were living paycheck to paycheck. Um, and so, you know, it's even more pronounced uh, that that it doesn't matter what main street you're on, what town in America, you're probably running into people that are living pay, paycheck to paycheck. But have you ever read the book uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Sure. So, I mean, it, it's tough to avoid it. It's, it's a bestseller for a reason. But yeah. uh, and, and Evan, have have you had a chance to, to read through? No, it's, it's something I have on my shelf that I need to pick up. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll give you my copy just so you, you have no excuses. Um, so in Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I'll give you a little synopsis here, Evan. Um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, he goes through a number of different kind of paradigm shifts in terms of the way people he sees people approach their personal finances versus how he and you know uh what he labels as his rich dad uh uh you know proceed with their personal finances to make them successful um and he has a lot of great uh lessons in there you know certainly uh the one that stuck out to me was how to accurately determine what an asset is um and, and but one of the earliest concepts that he brings up is this idea of cash flow and you know being in the finance industry we may all have heard of cash flow right you know it's your uh, uh it's the 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 free money that might be coming in and out of a business but when we look at it from an individual perspective it can really be summarized as simply as cash flow is your income minus your expenses and what he says in the book is that cash flow is your financial report card. You don't really get grades for your finances. You might get grades for your education. You might get grades on uh, exams, entry exams, going into college um, or even going into your industry. But there's never really a litmus test for your personal finances. But that's why cash flow is such an important number to be paying attention to, because it really is that it's always been there, right? It is that uh, that report card that shows if your cash flow is high, then you're doing really well. If your cash flow is low, or God forbid, negative, then you really, you know, are kind of failing on the personal finance side. And so, Jonathan, the reason you know why I'm bringing this all up and why I love the point that you just brought up is that is exactly what. Uh, uh, you know, what you described with, it really doesn't matter what main street you live on, um, whether it's the high rises or, uh, all the way in, uh, you know, industrial town. Um, the reality is that 
all because your income is high doesn't mean that your expenses are low. And what we see statistically is that when people receive an income increase, it's typically met with an appreciable amount of increase to their expenses as well. And so when we look at that cash flow calculation, it's very simple to, to increase cash flow. We only have two levers to pull, right? We can increase our income or we could decrease our expenses. But what I have found, and this is where you know financial wellness really comes into play, and I preach this message uh, in a lot of my webinars, is that I have found that people focus a bit too hard on the income side, which leads them to be financially dependent. Right. Because in order to increase your income, you have to, you know, maybe petition for uh, or negotiate a higher wage. You may have to go back to school. You may have to take two, if not more jobs. And so that doesn't really seem like you have a lot of control over that component of your cash flow. Right. You're kind of dependent on somebody else to provide you that income source. On the other side of things, when we look at expenses, well, your expenses are quite literally dependent on you. So if uh, you want choices, to... <laughs> you're right. Exactly. <laughs> choices. <laughs> yeah. It's a quite and... an adult concept, but you know, many people don't find you know, choices. I want everything. <laughs> <laughs> I want this. I want that. I just got paid. Let's, let's go have right. fun. Right. And Hey, <laughs> we're, we're all culprits of that crime. So, you know, it's sure. not something to point a finger at, but, but the reality is that People focus a bit too much on the income side, when in all reality, if you want to gain financial independence and you want the easy path to increase your cash flow and increase your financial report card, focus in on your expenses so that you can you know, limit the amount of money that's getting taken out of your paycheck month to month. Um, so to kind of tie this all back together, right? And so why might this be relevant to personal finance is that, you know, Jonathan, you and I have read that book, Evan, we're, we're, we're waiting for you to get on there. And, and I'm sure you will soon after this call. Um, but what I would describe the knowledge in that book, as well as the knowledge of just cash flow as a concept, that's financial literacy, right? And so when we talk about financial wellness, it's not really a product. It's a byproduct of increasing your financial literacy, because if you are aware of these concepts, then naturally your first impression is to be, well, I got to start looking at my personal finances, start looking at my expenses and start increasing my cash flow. But not everybody knows that. In fact, you know, going back to those 2017 statistics, 54% of Americans are not getting financial advice. And the real rub of it is that for the folks who really need this financial advice, the folks who are living paycheck to paycheck, well, this information, this literacy exists, but it's typically always behind a paywall, right? Because folks in their industry need to get paid too. We can't just provide free information. But at the end of the day, the folks who need it to be even be able to pay for that service don't have enough money to pay for that service. So the rub of financial literacy and uh, financial wellness in America is not that we don't understand it. It's that we don't have somebody footing the bill to bridge that gap. And so that's really where I come in with, you know, employers and on the employer level say, hey, you know, there are all these wonderful statistics that show that if you provide these benefits, um, employers, you know, employees do respond to it well. Uh I'm trying to find the statistic right now. I think it's either 84% or 
It's re- it's Sorry, really fascinating, ahead. Jordan. One one of the things um, that I've often found a, a fault, and you know, one can fault the educational system dramatically, but there's really no formal education to financial independence that is ever created that I can think of, unless perhaps you know you take this one-off course in college, um, which probably very few people do, um, and. Uh, it's really a, a byproduct in many cases of your upbringing. Um, you know, I've been exposed in, in work that we do. We work with a lot of family businesses. There's there's some people that parents never have a financial conversation with their offspring. Um, there's others that ingrain it in their kids from a very young age. And so, you know, the, in order to level that playing field or establish some baseline, if you will, it's virtually impossible because people come at it from such different orientations and, and experiences. Um, and, uh, I could see, you know, not with too much disclosure in my own family, my wife's upbringing versus my upbringing. Um, it's, it's quite clear that they were very different. Um, and it, you know, it can present a lot of challenges in relationships of how do you reconcile that and then pass it to the next generation and create some degree of, uh, financial literacy. Um, and it's, it, I, I could see it being very challenging on a grand scale. Um, and the value that you guys provide in terms of trying to bring it to organizations to say, Hey, this is another part of how we want to, uh, not only, uh, educate, but develop our, our people, not for today, but for the future. And 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 leave with a, 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 um, a, a or, or provide for them. I assume a set of of tools, a toolbox um, to to be uh, independent, irrespective of where they may work. You know, they're taking what the knowledge that's imparted upon them by you guys, and you know, if they don't work for that organization five years down the road, hopefully they have a foundation or they have more literacy or capability and, and understanding. You hit the nail on the head, and yeah, I mean. <laughs> Financial literacy in the household is is a whole nother topic that we'll have to leave for another day. But I mean, how many just even if with your upbringing, Jonathan, uh, you know, it sounded like you, you might have the upper leg on, on on your spouse there. But tell me truly, how many misconceptions about credit and credit cards have you had to kind of snuff out throughout your throughout your lifetime? Oh, oh, it happens all the time. And I think, you know, it really depends on, uh, you know, I've got a little grade to prove it. Uh, parents who <laughs> maybe were were born or lived through the Great Depression and, you know, were credit averse and didn't understand levers and things of that nature. So, um, you know, it's fascinating to, to see and to, to watch. And, um, uh, you know, it's very hard mold to break out of if you're conservative, fiscally conservative. It's very hard to be, you know, outgoing and spend money you know, wantonly, um, you know, those are things that I think are deeply ingrained in people. If you never paid attention to money uh, and and didn't sort of understand the mechanics of it, I think it's a very hard cycle to break uh, for people. You know, it's really talking about habits, which, as we know, are our core and take a long time to develop and even longer to break when they're bad. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think you have a great point there in terms of just uh, you know, things change in in the marketplace, right? So, I mean, I like to think of the economy as a stage play, and you can either focus on the story that's being told, or you can focus on the characters that are are being portrayed. And you know, what I mean by that is, you know, perfect example is interest rates, right? Back in, you know, uh, uh, the 70s and 80s, putting money into a savings account in a CD was perfect i mean you could you could get a great interest in and really retire off of just a certificate of deposit um, double digit uh, double digit returns on <laughs> on you know cds on safe the safe sort of uh, investment vehicles pretty amazing yeah. i remember Somebody those days 
I, I remember getting uh, growing up in Canada, uh, um, provincial bonds at eighteen percent. I was like, wow, yeah. Well, why wouldn't you put all your money in there? <laughs> right. I mean, hey, if I if I f- ever finish the time machine, you know what time period I'm going <laughs> back to. <laughs> Absolutely. But but we've come through another cycle as interest rates have risen. And to back to your earlier point, uh, you know, those people leaving paycheck to paycheck when interest suddenly is uh, trebled or quadrupled, and and you're paying twenty two or twenty five or God forbid twenty eight percent on a credit card. Uh, it's not to see how it's it's difficult to get out from under. Right. It, but then it's so so interesting because there's basically two stories being told, right? I mean, there's the story of, hey, I can't really afford all these increases in payments because of in, uh, uh, interest rate hikes. But then on the other side, you could be like, well, I could never be happy happier. I mean, I can have a risk-free return of five and a quarter percent on my money. Like, that's wonderful. T- today is the best day ever, right? So, um, that's why I think it's so important to focus on the characters as in, you know, interest rates, the equities market, um, certain tax levies and, and tax breaks, you know, all those different players that have always been in this, uh, this, uh, uh this play. But the story always changes. So you need to focus on what character is playing which role and what role they've paid, played in the past. And I think financial literacy really is a good, um, you know, kind of bringer of that knowledge in terms of saying, hey, don't look at the the story. Don't look at what's being portrayed to you right now. Look at what each character is doing and what they've done and look at how each of their own story plays out, which has gotten us to this point right now. Um, and that's certainly like a higher level, uh, you know, that we hope to get people to in our, our uh, financial wellness uh, programs. So, you know, really, there's just such a depth of knowledge that's that's here and it really changes uh, ongoing. So there's always going to be a need of financial wellness. And and I'm so excited that more and more employers are realizing this and putting a focus towards, you know, basically you know, taking the obligation that the government failed to do in public schooling by not providing us this valuable education. Wonderful stuff. Uh, we could probably talk about this for, for you know, hours on end. Um, given given that our time is limited today, uh, tell us how people reach out to you. What's the best way to engage with you guys over at Staples and Wallach um, for, for one of these uh, services that you offer? Um, is, is the... Um, is this a standalone service that somebody can engage with Sapers and Wallet for? Is it an add-on service that your existing clients benefit from? How, do, how does it work? And and uh, rolled into that question, what's the best way for people to reach out to you guys? Yeah. So so answer is it's both. I mean, you can we can add it as a add-on service for our retirement plans, but it is its own benefit. So I mean, if you are an employer that wants to engage in this, you know, you know, this growth and this development of your workforce. Um, I'd say best way to get in contact with me is via LinkedIn. You're welcome to shoot me a message. Uh, my LinkedIn would be linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash build dash more. And if you want to reach out to our retirement team specifically, or if you'd want to just learn more about Sapers and Wallach, you can reach us at sapers-wallach.com spelled as it is on the screen. Um, but if you're listening to this with no visuals, it's sp. I'm sorry, S-A-P-E-R-S uh, dash W-A-L-L-A-C-K dot com. And then I would also put on top of that, uh, 
you know, if you're looking for a financial wellness program, we can do a survey of your staff to figure out what's important to them. We have a whole menu of fantastic education sessions that Jordan and some other team members put on, along with some one-on-one uh, criteria uh, meeting settings that we'll do to give people that more personal touch. And our goal is to increase uh, everyone's financial literacy over time to make sure that they're making smarter moves. And if employees are in a better financial spot, they'll be happier and they'll be uh, more efficient at uh, the jobs that they're doing. Excellent. Good stuff, guys. Really appreciate having you on. Uh, Jordan Smith, Retirement Outcomes Consultant, Sapers and Wallach, Evan Macedo, excuse me, Vice President of Finance and Operations at Sapers and Wallach. Always a pleasure to have you as a co-host and have you on Radio Entrepreneurs. And we'll be right back with another segment on Radio Entrepreneurs. <laughs> 